when they come in with the older adults and they're engaged with them, behaviors that are sometimes challenging don't show up at the same rate that they do when they're not with the older adults. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating and inspiring guests who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, author, and fellow Zestful Ager. And if you like the podcast, you'll love my companion online course, Zestful Aging, Simple and Sustainable Habits for Health and Longevity, and it comes with a 30-page companion manual. It's a blueprint for aging well, because what good is living longer if we're not also healthy and happy? Find out more at NicoleChristina.com. Well, I've got my little Jack Russell Terrier Sparky right beside me, and I've got a cup of coffee in my hand, so let's begin. Today I'm going to be speaking with Elizabeth Spidell, who's the program manager at Champion Intergenerational Center, which is a community university partnership between Ohio State, Columbus Early Learning Centers, and National Church Residence Centers for Senior Health in Columbus, Ohio. And at Champion, she supports the intergenerational program between the children at Columbus Early Learning centers and the older adults at the National Church. And outside of work, she's the mother of a soon-to-be eight-year-old. She enjoys cooking food from a network of local farmers, and she volunteers with community groups and with a specific focus and value placed on healing circles and restorative practices. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I'm so interested in this intergenerational model, and I've had guests on that talk about the benefits, but I'm really curious what you see as the benefit between uh, bringing young and old together. What have you noticed? Um, One of the things that I think is so incredible about the work here, and there's lots of talks about what the value of this is and how it works, and people often asking for like what the the metrics are around this. And often it's, it's just show up and see what happens. Um, mm. And where, what you see and what you are in the presence of are connection and relationship and community and how we can build on that and what that means for an individual and the different communities that they're a part of. At Champion, Mm. we have a number of different groups. We have older adults, uh, all of whom are eligible to be in nursing homes. So though they live in, they continue to live within the community. And so many of them have different uh, limitations to their cognitive or physical functioning. And then Mm -hmm. we have very young children. So six weeks to 
right before kindergarten, so five years old. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And then we have Ohio State students, both graduate and undergraduate. So they're in their learning mind. They're not yet experts in what they hope to be experts in. And then Mm -hmm. we have the staff, the incredible staff here, which is line staff for National Church Residences. That's people who do personal care for the older adults and people who are running activities. And then the preschool teachers at Columbus Early Learning Center. There's quite an amalgamation of different perspectives and expertise. Absolutely. And often when we think, and for when I first came to Champion, my thought was focused on the older adults and the kids. Those are groups of people that I had worked with throughout my career who had advocated on behalf, and that was what I saw. Um, And then working with the OSU students too. And it's really, the staff are the somewhat invisible fourth group. They are the people that make it happen. They're the glue that brings everything together. And Mm -hmm. it's their capacity to basically hold the space for all of the wonderful things that can happen when the different groups interact. Is there a sense uh, with, with all of these players that something special is happening here? Without question. It's one of the reasons that I say just come and see what happens because I can describe the different activities that we do and it doesn't begin to capture what happens when people look in each other's eyes and are really present with each other. Particularly when those groups, right, older adults, young children, are groups that our society does not value very highly. For older adults, it's often, thanks so much for all you've done. You know, mm. you don't really have a lot to contribute anymore. And for kids, it's mm-hmm. someday you'll be, you know, valuable to us. And really the focus of Champion, in fact, part of our mission is that the idea of all generations are engaged and feel valued and find purpose. And mm-hmm. that happens every day here. So what can you give me a little story of what that might look like on any given day? Sure. There's, I have a couple of different stories. One is about an older adult and a young child. And the, the people that we serve and to serve us, honestly, at Champion come from different marginalized communities. They often do not have very high incomes. So we're serving people with uh, low incomes and limited resources. And there's an older adult who's been here since the doors opened three years ago, who everybody loves, who people refer to as uh, the domino man, uh, because he teaches them how to play dominoes. And there was a young girl who used to come here. She's now in first grade, so she's moved on. She graduated. And her background was, there. Were, she had a lot of challenges. Uh, we've talked about a lot within our community in Columbus and here at Champion about what trauma-informed care means and mm-hmm. adverse childhood experiences. And mm-hmm. already by the time she was here, she had already experienced a number of those. And the connection between these two people is one of the most magical things I've ever seen. They would always seek each other out. So on any given day, there's about 50 or 60 older adults in the building. Um, on 
the national church side of the building. And then there are about 50 children on the Columbus Early Learning side. And they come together in different ways. They come together for activities. And then the older children, they share the cafeteria with the older adults and they have lunch at the same time. And always, it's as if they could sense each other's presence and they would both seek each other out. Um, with Willie, uh, who's the older adult, helping the little girl put her barrettes in her hair. Anytime she needed help, she looked for, for Willie. And then she graduated, which was hard for all of us. She's a delightful person to be around. Her younger sister still came to the center, and she would come back and surprise Willie and visit him. Mm. And then they continued to share communication with each other, like notes, while her sister remained at the center. And then even a couple of times after the family moved, there was an opportunity for them to come together. And when we talk about resilience and how that is something that helps children deal with the trauma or adults deal with the trauma, I think mm-hmm. of that relationship, right? Resilience comes about when people have one caring adult within their life. And that re- I look at that relationship between those as this is an example of something that hopefully this little girl will take on and remember that mm-hmm. connection. And it's also, like a foundation. It's a, it's a new foundation for her. Yes. Right. It's a different mm-hmm. place. It's that sense of I yeah. am loved, I am cared for, I'm mm-hmm. worthy. This is what's possible for me. Yes. Yes, and th- th- it is true also for, um, for Willie, for the older adult, that interaction, right? A sense of purpose, a sense of value of, I see the impact I have when I help this child. Mm-hmm. And it's not academic. I mean, we talk about, you know, finding meaning and it's good for you and volunteering, all this stuff. But it sounds like this is happening. We know it's happening neurologically at some level, but you use the word magic. And it it sounds like some of this is really beyond our ability to understand, but it is real. Without question. Without question. It's I so value the data and the metrics that we use so we can make the case for why this is important. And, you know, we, I have some of that that I can share. The thing that makes it special is the, that connection and that relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Ultimately is the love that exists between people. As my daughter mm-hmm. says, not the kissy kind, right? It's like, not that. <laughs> no, like the foundation of what really matters to us, right? Like what inspires our passion, what happens here. And I see that with the kids and the older adults, and I see it with the Ohio State students who are coming in, many of them in their the final year of whatever their program is, and mm-hmm. a little maybe tired from all of the work that they've been doing and focused on that acquiring of knowledge. And when they mm-hmm. walk in the door, a champion, we're like, this is not going to be the same kind of placement you've had in other uh, settings. This is where we get to dive deep into as the word that you use, the foundation of all of the work that you're going to be doing, which is the relationships. How do we build that? How do we make connections with people that we don't know in short periods of time? How do I get comfortable with being uncomfortable? How do I learn how to have difficult conversations? How do I learn how to take care of myself so I can do all of that well? 
And I want to talk about that in a moment, but I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what you observe in terms of Willie. You, you, we're talking about resilience and how this has a profoundly positive effect, both on Willie and, and the little girl. What do you notice in terms of their presence, their, you know, what are they standing taller? Or are they making more eye contact? I mean, I know you have, you're, you are a social worker as well as an attorney. Is that correct? I am actually not a social worker, but I take it as okay. a compliment when people uh, mistake oh. me for that. <laughs> okay. But, but you look out for this. I mean, this is very yes, much yes. on your radar. So right. what do you notice about their presence? People are more engaged. You mentioned standing mm. up taller, um, looking people in the eye. The children are little kids. They're baby. They're all essentially still babies on some level. Mm-hmm. And what what comes with that is hard to maintain attention, right? And kind of very uh, intense behaviors. They're, they want to be really active. And mm-hmm. when that doesn't happen when they're with the older adults, when they come in with the older adults and they're engaged with them, behaviors that are sometimes challenging don't show up at the same rate that they do when they're not with the older adults. Wow, that is fascinating. So are you getting some feedback from other places in their lives, like teachers, for example? Do you get rating scales about what what the challenges might be academically, and then you compare it to how they show up in the program? So we do some qualitative collection of information around that piece. Mm-hmm. They're a bit less academic and more social-emotional behavioral pieces. Okay. And then it's the observations of this, the teachers that are always included in their, um, their rubric, Columbus Early Learning Center's rubric, about how children behave depending on the different settings they're in and also what those relationships mean. There have been times in the past where there's been a strong relationship like the one I talked about earlier. And when a, a child is having a hard time in the Columbus Early Learning side of the building, We've brought them over when their grand friend is here and they spend some time together and then they're kind of able to go back having found Mm. some calm and some connection. So it really modulates some of the behavior that we would say isn't, you know, uh, people in the business might say not pro-social, but they come Mm -hmm. over, they're with their, their grand friend and something changes for them. There's a, it sounds like there's a soothing that happens. Yes, absolutely. And it doesn't start out that way necessarily, right? One of the reasons that we've created intergenerational, the idea of a shared space for intergenerational services or even creating these opportunities is because they don't exist for us in our communities, right? There, it used to be that mm-hmm. people would... We lived intergenerationally. We lived close to grandparents. Mm-hmm. And, to, mm-hmm. and that doesn't happen as much anymore. Mm-hmm. So not surprisingly, some of these kids come in and they've never seen an older adult who mm. maybe walks with a cane or um, is in a wheelchair or is, confu- is very confused. And what we noticed the first year was that kids were nervous. And then it took time. And then they got to know people, right? And they, right, the great thing about kids is that they ask questions. 
questions that we might be like, shh, don't do that. Ah. Right? Like, where's, you know, what happened to that person's leg? Why does that person only have one leg? Or why does that person keep mm-hmm. asking me the same question over and over again? <laughs> and, right, what we've learned is just answer those questions. And oftentimes, if it's an older adult, right, who has the ability, they'll just answer it themselves. There's, you know, it's not as though it's not seen. It's in asking. And the kids are like, okay, great. And then they move on. And so the, mm-hmm. the interesting thing is, is that we expected that to happen this, when the second group of kids came through because, you know, about 20 or so kids graduate every year and then new kids come in. So we were all ready for that to happen. And then it didn't happen. And what we realized was because half of the class had been there already and walked in mm-hmm. to, you know, the intergenerational activity with the older adults as if it was totally normal right? Like this is an everyday thing. Mm. The kids who were new mm-hmm. looked at that and just followed their lead. I see. So these children are learning very different skills than it would take to play on their devices. This is, <laughs> these, these may be completely new. I mean, they may not have skills that are needed to relate to not only their peers, not only, you know, maybe other people in their immediate family, but people who are different than them. Absolutely. I mean, it it really is incredible. And that's really the foundation piece, right? Like how we connect with people who are different than us or not necessarily communicating um, the same way that we are. And I know that mm-hmm. one of the things that's great about Columbus Early Learning Center is that they really focus on these social-emotional skills mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. about how, right, because that's the foundation. I can't learn if I can't calm my body enough to listen to you. And so mm-hmm. the children are learning that in their classroom and then getting to use it with older adults. And then there are issues, right? Some older adults can't hear as well. I have to talk more loudly, mm. more slowly. Mm-hmm. There are, we have older adults who are blind or have some sort of limitation that keeps them from using um, their hands as they once did. And the children are helping them mm. do that. And mm-hmm. there's an incredible sense of pride that you can see in mm. these kids when oh, they are making that. And then not just I'm helping that person, then the next time I come in, we come in, that person is asking for me because oh my goodness. they know how much I help them. You're building empathy and also a sense of I matter, I count, you know, and it sounds like some of uh, the kids come from disadvantaged backgrounds. So they already, we know, have a strike against them in terms of poverty. And this sounds like it really uh, works to build this foundation of, yes, you matter, you're valuable, go out in the world and, and bring that. Absolutely. Right. And that's what we all need, right? We need it from many different places, that sense of, like, I matter. This is where, this is mm. what I, I can contribute. And then Mm. right from there expands to what do I want to contribute to the world? That sense of choice, Mm. which is something else we really um, do, which is a focus for us at the Intergenerational Center is a sense of choice because they're individually, their days are very structured um, with the children and the older adults. Intergenerational activities are all a choice. Nobody has to come. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to come, you don't come. 
Mm-hmm. And also what those activities look like are also different. If, if what we're looking at is building that foundation and helping learn how to empathize with people and learning different skills, one of the things that's so important is you know, having a cho- wanting to do that. At the, there's mm-hmm. a, at that foundation, there's a, I, not, I need to want to do that in order to do it well. And you know, it occurs to me, too, that you it's one thing to have uh, therapy for kids who are in this age range to help them through some of their trauma. But you're doing this kind of in vivo, right? It's not talking about it. It's not talking about empathy. It's learning it. And it seems strikes me as it would be worth so many, you know, individual psychotherapy sessions that I might have had in the beginning of my career working with kids. This is a totally different way to heal. Absolutely. I mean, that is so uh, such a wonderful description of what happens here. And it's also that idea of to heal. We don't necessarily need somebody with a specialization in that. There is a mm-hmm. sense that we can, a sense of agency that comes mm-hmm. with this work, that, that we can do things, but also the focus that not just by ourselves, but we can do things in community. Mm-hmm. That nothing that happens here is because one person did a really good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really takes the investment of everybody Right? This is a community university collaboration, which means there's not an executive director of Champion Intergenerational Center. It's three organizations coming and really working together and collaborating mm-hmm. while they are also doing their own business. And the reason that it works is because of the people committed to that relationship. So because putting egos aside... Oh, absolutely. And because we make mistakes, mm-hmm. right? Like this is the fundamental thing about being human is we make mistakes. So it's not as though we've come up with any systems that mean mistakes don't happen, but because we have the relationship and we believe in each other and each other's commitment mm-hmm. to the work, we work with those mistakes, right? Like we work through those mistakes. And that's a piece that working with this, the OSU students that I also really try to focus on is like, Listen, this is this making mistakes things, this thing's not going well. This is part of what it means to be human. And it's not whether or not you're going to make mistakes. It's really whether how you handle that. Mm-hmm. Are you going to take responsibility? You're going to try and repair anything that happened. And we get lots of practice here at Champion doing that. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, not so much the mistakes, but what are the challenges? What are the hard parts about this initiative? I would say the hard parts are like any collaboration, right? You have, or any working in community with each other, you have different goals that are happening and different uh, things that are pulling on your time that are separate from the intergenerational work. And Mm -hmm. then a very concrete example of that is just communication. One of my favorite quotes is the biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it happens. And... (laughs) It's hard to, to communicate in ideal circumstances, but when you have situations where the staff who are responsible for creating the space that makes the intergenerational programming work are not people who are sitting at a desk who have constant access to email. 
Mm, okay. Right? They're on their feet. They're moving around. They're, they're adapting to circumstances. They need to be with clients all the time. So there isn't time built into their day where they get to have meetings. Um, mm-hmm. And that's true with the older adults and with the preschool teachers. I see. So one of the roles that I and OSU students have is helping facilitate those conversations because we have more flexibility. We're not necessarily tied to, you know, being in a room with children or with older adults. We can Mm -hmm. kind of help with that. But then that's three different organizations and many people within those organizations so Mm -hmm. um, collaborating and and I can see that being kind of tricky yeah yeah and it's just Mm -hmm. a practical right it's a reality of the way these businesses operate right like you can't I don't want my preschool teachers or my you know activity directors or personal care assistants on computers I want them engaged with the people that they're caring for so then how do we adapt to that across organizations? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I can, I can see that. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I have uh, certainly become more playful about it then. And just that idea of, you know, we use the term of making mistakes. One of, the, um, one of our values at Champion is we believe in the importance of trying new things and that growth comes from failure as well as success. So that mm-hmm. idea of things aren't just going to work out the way we expected them to. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. That's, that is a normal we need to embrace, which makes it possible to adapt and to kind of create the circumstances where we can. Where when somebody walking in from the outside, they don't walk in thinking, wow, how do they communicate? It must be so hard. They walk in and they see the connections between people, and that's what they see. And that's because of the connections among the people who are focused on the work. Mm-hmm. So there, it sounds like there's a general openness and acceptance on many levels. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what makes, I mean, just think about what successful interactions are with groups of people that you're connected with, or whether it's your mm-hmm. family, for some people, maybe not their family, <laughs> you know, for groups of friends. And how do we do this dance together? Mm-hmm. Has it added um, an effect on your parenting, being among these different levels, different levels of um, development and, and this kind of work? What's that been like for you <laughs> as, a, as a, a mom? Oh, it's, uh, it's really incredible. And for a, a short period of time, my daughter went to the preschool. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was at the preschool I was working And it's, right, the recognition I come across so many different kids all of the time, that each kid is different, including my own. This idea of expectations that we have. Also, try not to have as many of those uh, with my child. And mostly it's just this sense of the absolute critical importance of being present with her. Mm -hmm. And any of the challenges that, I experience is when I'm, right, like so many of us, I've got lots of other things that are going on in my life. And when I'm distracted, when I'm in her physical presence, that can often lead to, right, like, and there's challenging behaviors on either of our part. Um, What happens really is when I can't be present with her, that's when those things happen. And they go down a bad way. 
right? Like, not that we're not going to have feelings. And there's also languages that I've picked up from working here, like talking about feelings and big feelings, and big feelings are okay. And what we do with those feelings is really one of the things that we want to work on. And then when we act in a way that maybe is hurtful, then how do we repair that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I mean, in, in the therapy world is so interesting because a lot of it, you know, at the foundation is reparative. <laughs> you know, how do we repair yeah. that? Even with the therapist and client when there's a you know, we call it an empathic break when you Mm -hmm. don't get it to go back and fix that is so powerful. Yeah. Like that's That's, where it, that's where it's worth it. Right. Like that's, yeah, yeah. That's where the money is. (laughs) Right. Right. And that's one of, I mean, you know, to one of the values I think for Ohio state students is to come in and to see a place where like, we're going to name that and recognize that this isn't a quote unquote bad thing that happened. This is a thing where, the magic can really happen. Mm-hmm. And recognizing that early, it took me a long time to get there as a, like in my own development and to have some sense of what that means early and seeing it practice, I think is, is really valuable because mm-hmm. it's, I don't think we need to learn a lot about how to handle things when they go well. Right? <laughs> Right. Like, I think we actually need to. What do I do when things are not going well, whatever Uh, well looks like, whether it was what I expected uh, or what uh, I didn't expect? And and how do I mm -hmm. deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting perspective. You you mentioned self-care. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, how that enters into this equation? Absolutely. I, I love talking about self-care. Um, <laughs> and one of the reasons that I love having it at work is because I think like well, almost every human being, self-care is really hard to do. Again, not when things are going well and I have plenty of time, but when things start getting really busy. or And so having to do it for students makes me do it myself, whereas I might not ah. be as intentional about it otherwise. Right? I can do it early in the morning when nobody else is up, but how do I do it in the craziness of the day? And that's really what mm. right? It's really what we talk about because there's a it's great because there's a really, I think, more of a focus than there ever has been before about the how self-care is important. And then some conversation about like what self-care means to an individual. And then I think that we fall off a little because we then say, now go do it. Go find this magical amount of time in your day that you can set aside to do this thing for yourself. And while that's critically important, it's just not really practical for Mm -hmm. so many people. We don't have, I mean, I used to, go regularly to yoga classes. And then I was like, you know, I don't have the time to do that because I don't have the two-hour block that it actually requires of me. Uh, so I've figured out other places in my time and in my day. But what I talk to students about is like, how can you practice self-care during work or during school? What are the, the moments of time that you can take where you can ground yourself? It's what I was talking about with my daughter. I can't be present with my daughter if, one, I don't actually realize whether or not I'm present. I have to be self-aware enough to know. 
And I need something to anchor me. I need some sort of self-care to kind of get into that place. And mm -hmm. so we talk with students all the time about that. One of the things that we try to do is when people come into work, whether it's as a group or whether we're going to do it individually, we're going to take a couple of minutes to just set, I call it, we call it centering or getting present and just a few moments of silence to kind of like, mm. okay, I'm here now. And mm -hmm. one of the things we talk about is uh, feel your feet throughout the day. And the idea behind mm -hmm. that is my feet are in my body. If I'm feeling my feet, I can get present in my body. And in my body, I'm not so much in my head. And it's in my head where I'm thinking like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. How did I do on that test? That conversation did not go the way I thought it was going to go. Or in the future of, I've got all these meetings to do. I've got this paper due. I've got this, this thing due. And if we can get mm -hmm. into our body, we can get more present. So feel your feet is one way I love that we that. do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's, they have do to be small. you do that small. with the kids too? Are you doing that with the kids? Feel your we feet? Yeah, and the individual classrooms have different um, techniques also that they use, like different breathing techniques, mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. ways, right? It's that social-emotional learning that their recognition that we can't expect our kids to learn if they can't be present and mm -hmm. focused. And so we have – those are skills that we learn. Those are, that's not something that comes naturally. That's something that we have to learn. Like how do we handle these massive feelings that we're doing like without – hurting somebody or hurting ourselves, like how can we? And so they have different breathing techniques that they use, mm -hmm. um, different activities to help them center. Mm -hmm. And is that what you might use too on a, a particularly busy day? Or I think our listeners would love to hear this, what you do. And I love this idea, self-care, you know, when that's the last thing you have time for. It is one right. thing to say, oh, take a walk in nature. All that stuff is great. <laughs> you know, take a bath, right. you know, light candles. <laughs> but that's not the way most of our lives go. And I love this idea of like self-care on the fly almost but that it's got to be woven into your daily uh, life. Right, right. It's so true. I mean, I am probably 15 feet from the door to the outside, and I think I go outside intentionally, right, to walk in nature or to be outside once a month, right? Like, it's just not mm -hmm. something that it's, it feels so impossible. So, and that's essentially why I came up when I was like, wow, I can't even get outside, what can I do during the day? I'm trained in something called uh, Urban Zen Integrative Therapy, which works with people in hospitals and nursing homes and hospice and their caretakers, professional and family. And this is where some of that languaging has come from and like, how do we do this work? And so there is the feel your feet. And then thinking about things you do all of the time throughout your day. And that's going to be different for different professions. But for mm -hmm. nurses and for anybody in healthcare, the one thing they do all the time is wash their hands. Mm -hmm. And I tied this together with my experience when I was an attorney and I was working on a brief that had consumed every aspect of my life except for when I went to the bathroom. And I was like, well, nobody can bother me in here. <laughs> and I don't have a lot of time, but I can Unless fully try and get present. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. This was before yeah. that time. That was before that, okay. right? Like I was just like, I see. 
I can, yeah. so I uh, really savored, right. I savored it. I couldn't actually stay in there or hide in there. I could just do what I needed to do and get out. But that was time that I actually had. And so I've come up with this thing with, uh, particularly with nursing students, um, but with all of my students. And I'm like, when you go to wash your hands, like wash your hands, right? Like put your feet, feel your feet on the ground and just be fully present to washing your hands. Mm-hmm. for the 20 seconds that that is, right? That's not a lot of time. Be present, and if it's just five seconds. And if you can remember to do that half of the time you wash your hands for nurses, that's a lot. That builds up, and it's also spread throughout your day, mm-hmm. which is the value, right? Like, I can do two hours of yoga at 6 o'clock in the morning. By, like, noon, if I'm lucky, that I am not mm-hmm. feeling the peace of that anymore. Mm-hmm. I love this. It's like sprinkling it in. I do a practice uh, with mindful eaters that, well, eating and just the presence of making your morning coffee or whatever mm-hmm. warm beverage. And even in that five or 10 minutes being fully there, and then you can have your head full of what you're going to do that day. But if you could just make your coffee and that's all you're doing, it's a great way to start. And it's the thing that is easiest to hold on to, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's because then what happens is I get this practice that's going, that's really great, and then I don't do it anymore. And then I feel bad at myself mm-hmm. and I do it even less, right? So how can mm-hmm. we think about it? Another thing that um, I do is, right, like filling your water, like if you we have mm-hmm. a water fountain here. And no matter how fast I make it go, it still takes at least 10 seconds where I have to stand there, even though I've got tons of things that I need to do, right? Yeah. And so I just have taken that as a time to like hold it there Forced and just, break. right, where I'm just, I take it, I feel, and I breathe, and I'm not yelling at the, which is what I did before, which is like, I gotta go, I gotta go. Do I really have time to mm. fill this up? Um, mm-hmm. But, and just looking, kind of observing in your day, right? Everybody's day is different. Where are those moments where I can't make it go faster? And then using those moments to get present. Because then you go into your next interaction or the next few interactions and you're fully present. And that, mm-hmm. that transforms that interaction. When people feel seen and valued mm-hmm. and heard, that really expands whatever work you're doing in that moment. And then and that person And it feels good to us. Yes. And I mean, I think that's all true, but also there's a serenity that comes with just focusing on this very moment rather than your grocery list and Mm -hmm. all of that other stuff. Without question. And it's, it's mutual too, right? That when I'm giving somebody my presence, right? Not only do I, does that feel good to me, that person Right, the, it's the mirror neurons, right? It's that person mm-hmm. reflecting back to you then feels present. And that's what you see with right, the kids and the older adults and, the, and students and the, either the older adults or the kids and those interactions. And because this placement forces them to slow down, right? They're in clinical settings where they're on their feet doing a lot of work. There's a, there's a real urgency to the work that they're doing. And here, there's very, you know, it's very busy, but that sense of urgency isn't as structured or as outside. Of that, that the sense of urgency here is often stuff that we do 
with ourselves. And so I will say to a student, I'm like, no, you're going to, like, I want you to sit there and just talk to people for, like, get to know this place, like, see what the energy is like, engage with people. And the time, what happens is, you know, I had a nursing student who came in and we have a program here that we use called Music and Memory, which is this incredible program. There's a documentary called The Live Inside, which if people have never seen, is just magical. And I've used that word a lot, I'm noticing. <laughs> I use that word a lot when I talk about this place. And the it's about getting people individualized playlists of music that they've always loved and how that impacts their connection, their ability to connect with people. What, what is it called? I didn't catch that. The documentary the is... A, Alive inside. Alive inside. Ah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so there we have one um, older adult who's this lovely woman. She was she used to be a nun, and uh, she loves Malia Jackson. Her mom was an opera singer. Her dad was a tap dancer, and one of our nursing students was talking to her after she had been listening to music. So just after she had been listening to music, and this older woman has fairly advanced dementia. And as they were talking, what happens often with, de- with people with dementia is that they kind of get present. They know what's happening. And that's what happened. And she's explaining to this nursing student who's interested in geriatrics about what it's like to have dementia. And she's like, sometimes mm. I'm just right here and I know everything that's happening. And then I can feel it's like a fog. I can feel it coming. And I know I'm going to go away again. Mm. And as she's talking wow. to the student, it happens. And she describes what is happening, right? Like she says, I can mm. feel soon I'm not going to be able to talk to you. And then she said, you know, hi, my name is. It was as if the conversation hadn't just happened. And wow. Right? Like that's amazing. And that nursing student, because she had been able to be present and be in that moment and had the time to do that, was able to have that moment. She doesn't need to have that moment with every person, but that moment will inform all of the work that she does because she'll have gotten some insight because of that. I mean, that's the work when I see older adults who come in, you know, the kids who come in and staff, right? Staff who work here, these are not high paying jobs. They're very taxing emotionally and physically. Mm-hmm. And the incredible like bravery and courage and love that exists in this place when you see people with the different struggles that they're going through and still coming in and pouring in to each other. Mm-hmm. It's, it's an incredible thing to be witness to and to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Mm. I can hear it in your voice, how, how much, how invested you are. And I'm wondering what you're hoping for um, in terms of this model. Is this something that you're noticing is starting to spread throughout the country and the world? What's your sense of that? I think that there's definitely an interest in this happening more and more. Um, There's Mm -hmm. a a report that the Eisner Foundation and Generations United um, did on shared sites. Um, And I can pass that on to you if you're interested about the different ones that are happening Mm -hmm. around the country. 
And I am hopeful that that continues. There are some practical barriers, you know, regulatory issues, different pieces, but I think that the work can happen. And it also, my hope is also a way to do this in, in a not quite so formal way, right? How do we mm-hmm. create community? How do we create these opportunities within communities? So mm-hmm. whether it's at a rec center and how do we kind of engage that? Because we're so siloed from each other and how we kind of can bring pieces together. How can we bring this together? So the more people that see it and, and think this is possible and this is, mm-hmm. this is actually normal, right? This isn't a, an unusual thing. How can we do this in a way? And it, it does take a lot of work and a lot of commitment um, from people, but once people see it, once somebody has a passion to do it, I've, it's very little that stands in the way of it happening, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you have any last thoughts for our listeners in terms of the importance of intergenerationality and what's going on here that you'd like them to know? I think that along the lines of self-care on the fly, that what the work that we do here every day can actually happen in all of our lives every day. And it's that sense of being present with one another and recognizing our own and others just inherent value and dignity and kind of operating from that place. The magic that happens here isn't necessarily because it's an intergenerational center. The magic that happens here is because it's people who are different in so many ways are coming together and finding value and uplifting each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the word that really sticks out is this uplifting, is that sort of adding quality or adding richness to everyone's experience who participates here. Yeah, that's it exactly. Mm-hmm. It sounds incredible. It just sounds beautiful, and it's so evident as you talk about it, how much it means to you personally and how it's unique and and special and, and magic. And I, um, I'm wondering where our listeners can learn more about it. So we have a, a Facebook page where we post some pictures. Okay. And I can also... Uh, just people can contact me. Mm-hmm. What's the best place to get you? My email is probably the best place. My very long mm-hmm. Ohio State email. <laughs> the osumc.edu? That's it. Okay, I will put that down. And what is the Facebook page? It's just Champion Intergenerational. Okay, Champion Intergenerational. And I will put that on Generational. Elizabeth, thank you so much for giving us a little look into this beautiful program. Oh, Nicole, thank you so much. It's, I, I really love talking about it, but particularly talking about it to people who are interested and get excited mm-hmm. about those things as well. Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. Thank you so much. A pleasure. Thank you.
Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. You will get access to exclusive bonuses, and you will be part of the Zestful Aging community. Keep us going strong. Go to patreon.com slash zestfulaging. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.